Hi friends, welcome back to the Grow With Shea podcast. Before we hop in today, I want to talk about our sponsor, which is my Story Start course bundle. Story Start is an online self-paced course bundle that has over an hour of high quality videos and an 18 page workbook that covers how to gather your goals and find your why behind sharing your story, share your story on short form and long form platforms, how to launch your story, and how to create a system sustainable business while sharing your story. This is the course bundle I wish I would have had when launching into sharing my story publicly. Whether you're sharing your story to a large audience or just want to piece together your story for yourself, this course bundle will help you do this. Visit stan.store slash growwithshay to get this self-paced course bundle today. friends, welcome back to the Grow With Shea podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Herb, and he is almost well-caffeinated. I was going to say well-caffeinated, but you're well on your way. He brought two coffees. That's how I know it's going to be a good time. If we just start talking faster and faster and faster towards the end, you'll all know why. So Herb, welcome. Tell my friends a little bit about you. I'm ready. I'm double loaded and ready to go. And you're not messing around. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, thanks for having me. My name is Herb. I am a member of the bariatric community. I had um, BSG surgery in May of 2021, so a little over two years ago, which is mind-blowing to say out loud. so wild, Um, right? Yeah, because it seems like yesterday, but it also seems like a long time too. So yeah, I live in Chicago with my husband and son and two fur babies, and that's a brief little bit about me. I love it. I love it. You're one of the people that I connected to early on in my bariatric surgery journey where you just had such a nice and kind and open demeanor. And I think that's what I appreciated about you the most. You had said that it feels like a really long time, but not a long time at the same time with your surgery. Tell me a bit about that. Because I feel the same way, actually. It, it It's kind of a trippy, time becomes a trippy thing when your life is changed in such a significant way. Yeah, I think the pandemic has thrown us all for a loop about yes. this continuum that's called life, right? Yes. But um, I had a very laborious journey mentally to get to surgery. You know, mm-hmm. I debated for a couple of years. And so I just sort of think the idea of being bariatric, for lack of a better way to put it, has just been mm-hmm. a part of my brain for so long that, you know, it just sort of has become a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And two years out, some days I think I know less now than I knew when I first started. Things Mm -hmm. get more and more complicated the farther along you get in your journey. All good, but sometimes some days are hard, right? Mm -hmm. I know. That's one thing that it's like the most freeing and most scary thing that I've been realizing in this year is like, the older I get, the less I know. I always thought it would be the opposite, you know, like the older I get, I must figure these things out, you know, in time. And it's like, no more questions just kind of come up. And it's, it's not quite that way. (laughs) I think that's the real secret of life that no one knows what they're doing, right? We're all just faking it. Yeah. But then the other part that feels good about that is like, okay, there's no, there's no timeline. There's no end date. It's like, I don't have to put this pressure on myself. Like there is, you know, like I think for so long, I've had so many end dates or things I was striving for and it just gets exhausting. I'm excited that I like, yeah, life is just a journey and it, and there is no end. I mean, there's the end of death, but 
we'll get dark here for a minute, but besides that, everything Mm -hmm. within it, we can always learn and grow. And that's pretty exciting. That's been a real revelation for me. And it's something that I continually need to remind myself about that Mm -hmm. time is what you make of it. And there is no set timeline, you know, you know, we all have these milestones in our bariatric journeys, you know, of a year and two years and a certain number on a scale and a certain piece of clothing that we fit into. But the reality is that this is our life. And so when I've gotten down on myself about, oh, I've not been being active and I just, I just need to start. The key is, you know, not to beat yourself up about the timeline that you haven't adhered to because mm-hmm. it doesn't really exist, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to keep at it. Mm-hmm. It, it's true. And yeah, I've been seeing that in a lot of areas of my life of just, and it's interesting where those timelines come from. What's been the biggest contributor, do you think, to the timelines that you feel like you have to achieve? When I was over 350 pounds and continually trying to use <clears throat> lose weight, I was always the Monday morning person. I'm going to mm-hmm. start on Monday. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start this diet on Monday. I'm going to start this exercise routine on Monday. I'm that way with my life too. Like if there's mm-hmm. something at work that I don't want to do, we all start it out. I'll do it on Monday. Yeah. And, you know, I still struggle with that part of it. You know, mm-hmm. the physical portion of weight loss surgery for me and I think it's, you know, I've spoken with a lot of people. I think that's this way for a lot of people. It sort of just works itself out, right? But the, that mental component of sort of fighting those demons, demons a little bit of a loaded term, but just those habits that are so yeah. firmly rooted into your brain. I think it's going to be a lifetime battle for me to mm-hmm. pull that out. Where does it come from? Diet culture, mm-hmm. I think, you know, mm-hmm. and just this idea that there's a quick fix, you know, Mm -hmm. the quick fixes just start on Monday Mm -hmm. when the reality is there is no quick fix. The fix is Mm -hmm. just finding an achievable way to obtain those goals that you want. Yeah. And and something I've been realizing more about myself as I learn more, I have a attention deficit disorder. And I know that's actually pretty common within the bariatric community too. A lot of people I've heard say have realized that in their journey, but one of the things that I'm noticing for myself is I have so much anxiety around the buildup of things. So like, I totally relate to what you're saying of like, oh, I'll do it Monday or in the past would get like the Sunday scaries pretty bad. Like the anticipation of like Monday, starting the week, starting the day. Cause it's like, okay, I procrastinated this long and then I have to do everything starting that day is, you know, how it used to play out for me. And what I'm finding more and more is helpful is just doing little things at a time when I feel like it as it comes up. And so the area that I'm like seeing that more in my life right now is even just like tidying and keeping my space clean, where I was told for a long time from multiple people and just different spaces like, oh, you're just kind of a scattered person. You're just kind of a messy person because I had undiagnosed ADD, you know, at that time. And uh, I really took that in and thought, well, if that's just who I am, or that's just my identity, then I guess I can't live in a a tidy space or a clean space. And so instead of doing that buildup of like, I'm going to clean the entire house all tomorrow, I've been trying to just do like, okay, here's a little drawer that I'll I'll kind of tidy up because I'm waiting for my tea or my water to boil for my tea. And I have, you know, a few minutes for that to do that. So I'll just do that right now while I'm thinking about it. And that's been so helpful, just doing things little by little instead of like everything all at once. And so that's what I was thinking of as you were saying that with with bariatrics life, it's kind of the same, or I think that idea can be applied to a lot of areas. And I'm just starting to apply that into more areas of my life. 
think that's really impactful. I'm also good at making excuses about things. I have a perfect example from today. I was like, I'm going to ride my Peloton today. We have a basement, a first floor, and a second floor. The barrier for me was... I didn't want to go upstairs and put on my workout clothes because mm -hmm. then I'd have to go all the way upstairs and then I'd have to go all the way down in the basement, which is silly. Yeah, but like, but that, I get it. That was my that was my impediment, right? Mm -hmm. So then I talked to myself and I said, "Well, just go downstairs. There must be something down there you can wear." So I went downstairs, and lo and behold, there were clothes down there that I could put on to run my Peloton. Do I have to wear workout clothes to ride my Peloton? No, I'd probably be a little uncomfortable. I'm wearing a sweatshirt today. But, you know, just sort of eliminating those, mm -hmm. I don't like the word excuses because it feels really loaded, but just those little barriers that yeah. come up in your mind or those little voices that say, you know, oh, it's a little too much, much effort today. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's been really impactful on my journey is this idea of motivation versus action. Mm -hmm. And I said this a lot to uh, therapists in my program about, I'm just not motivated. Well, no one's motivated. You're not motivated mm -hmm. until you take the action. Action creates the motivation. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the first one to say this. I've read a lot of books and a lot of people <laughs> told this to me, but I'm, but I'm just passing this along. Like if It's you the herb footnotes. Says, exactly. <laughs> you know, if you're just saying I'm not motivated, well, of course you're not going to be motivated because motivation isn't something that just happens motivation is the result of an action yeah. so that's also been really powerful for me to just remember that and finding ways of eliminating the obstacles to do that thing that I know is going to create that motivation to take the next action and just sort of snowball from there yeah and I think that's something that has been helpful for me as well is just asking those questions like I think before I used to be so shaming of myself of like Oh, come on. You, like in, in your situation that you gave, like, come on, you don't want to just go upstairs. You're going to be working out anyway. Like it's good to get a little bit of ex extra exercise. Like I was so harsh and like self-punishing, like in, in how I talked to myself. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like I can approach myself more with curiosity. And instead of shaming myself for those things, just asking myself, like you said, those barriers, like, oh, why am I feeling like that's such a burden? Like, why is that what's preventing me? And I know even with stairs, I have a two-story house. And so I still, you know, have to talk myself through that sometimes because it's like, well, yeah, when I was, you know, 283 pounds, it was really hard to go up and down the stairs and it put strain on my body. And then mentally it would cause a lot of like shame and self-punishment again of like, come on, like you're out of breath after going, you know, up a flight of stairs, you know, just really harsh. And so it's like, of course, like I'm going to have those things that still feel hard and it's coaching myself of going, yes, we were harsh on ourselves. I usually refer to like my body and myself as like two separate people almost, but it's like, you know, right. we, were, no, yeah. we were harsh on ourselves before. And that makes sense why going down the stairs, you know, feels like a barrier because it wasn't just going up and down the stairs before it turned into, you know, a monologue in our head for, you know, who knows how long of how horrible we were and how we need to lose weight and Da, 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 da. And then it's like building that trust with my body again of like, I don't have to do it that way this time. We can go up and down the stairs. And even if I am out of breath, that's okay. Like it, that's where I'm at right now. And that's okay. And it's like just having that self-compassion and curiosity has been really helpful. And it's so much easier that way. That's interesting. I never thought of that as, you know, residual neural pathways from when it did take me so much effort to go up and down mm -hmm. the stairs. That's interesting. What I've struggled with is this idea of being compassionate. You know, you talk about mm -hmm. being curious with yourself about when you're feeling something. 
what I've struggled with is the balance between being kind to myself when I'm not maybe being the best version of myself that I want to be, you know, hopping mm-hmm. on that Peloton or, mm-hmm. you know, eating something that it maybe isn't mm-hmm. plan worthy, but then also continually making excuses for myself. Mm-hmm. So the balance between holding yourself accountable and also mm-hmm. being kind to yourself, that sweet spot is something that I really struggle with. And yeah. I like this idea that you put forward about curiosity. How did you stumble on that? Like just being curious with yourself? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's been a journey. I think a lot of this discovery started for me when I learned about adverse childhood experiences. And I know that might seem like Mm. an odd jump to make or a big connection to make. No, no. But when I started learning for those that maybe aren't aware of what that is, adverse childhood experiences are basically the trauma that we experience as kiddos. And um, there's been a a really interesting study that was done. I think it was like in the late nineties that this first one came out where they did a study and there were 10 different traumatic experiences that they categorized. There's, there's more experiences that could be possible, but in this one study, it was 10. Some of them are like, if you're, if you grew up in a, in a household where you had a parent who was incarcerated, if you grew up with physical abuse, if you grew up with mental abuse, if you grew up with physical neglect, um, those are just a few, but they listed out 10 criteria. And what the study found was that the kids that experienced and had an ACE score, um, I think it was above, and again, don't quote me on this, go look at the study yourself, but um, I think it was like above four or five tended to have um, a higher propensity for harder things in their adult life. And so it just made that connection that things that happen to us when we're kiddos has a very deep impact on us as adults. So that idea is kind of what prompted me of like, whoa, stuff that happened to me as a kid is contributing to the decisions and what I do as an adult today. And then that, of course, opened up a can of worms um, in the best way of looking at, well, what were my past childhood traumas? What does that mean? What does that look like? And so it started this deeper dive of being curious, I guess, in, in that way. And then once I learned like, oh, the reason I make these decisions today, of course, I would make those decisions today, because that's how I grew up, or that's what I was taught, or that's what I was immersed in. And so I think that's how I started being curious is, is the stuff that I used to be so hard on myself of like, let me think of an example. Let's say my ADD for an example, like, gosh, Shay, why are you so scatterbrained all the time? Why can't you just focus? Why can't you be like other people and just focus and get stuff done? And now having the understanding of, well, my brain is a bit different than other people in that way. It's atypical in that way where I have a really difficult time focusing and it's not a moral thing. It's not because I don't want to, or because I'm doing something wrong. That's just how my brain is. And so it's like, okay, understanding that now, how can I work with that? And I think that kind of opened up the curiosity. I feel like part of my ADD, I tend to ramble, but I don't know if that answered that question. No, that's all great stuff. I'd love to learn more about that because I mean, who doesn't have childhood trauma? I have plenty of my own to to unpack, I'm sure. But that's really interesting, a way to to think about it and approach it. I think that's one of my bigger struggles, you know, as I enter year two, year three, between years two and three as Mm -hmm, a bariatric mm -hmm. patient. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the other thing is too, that helps with that self-compassion. And again, knowing that difference between am I 
making excuses or am I doing something that I shouldn't be doing? And am I trying to excuse it or am I having self-compassion is I, I talk with my inner child a lot about that. So as an example, I might say something or my husband might say something that triggers me and it's not his fault at all that it's happened that that triggered me but something about what he said took me back to childhood to a traumatic experience and I'm being triggered by it I try now to validate the emotions that my inner child has in that time of like oh wow like you know my inner child is feeling really scared that by him making that comment he's going to emotionally detach from me now or oh, he must not really care about us because he made that comment or he didn't consider us. And it's asking and going a bit deeper, validating those those feelings of like, oh, I understand why those are there because in the past, our primary attachments, either parents or caregivers, they would emotionally detach. And, and maybe that comment that he made is similar to the one they would make before detaching. And so it's going, right. oh, I totally, and this is like what the dialogue sounds like in my head, me as an adult talking to my inner child going, oh man, I totally understand why you're feeling like he doesn't care about us in this moment or that he's going to emotionally detach because of X, Y, and Z. These are the things that happen that made us feel this way. The cool thing is this is a safe person and we've seen that time and time again. And so let's ask him, you know, and kind of bringing in more of that adult reasoning in with that inner child. But I think a lot of people just ignore that inner child and, or, or punish it and say, why are you talking? You know, why get out of here? Like, you don't know what you're talking about because many of us were raised in that way where we were talked to in that way. Right. You're making me realize how um, the pressure I put on myself as a parent too. I don't want to mess my kid up. Yes. <laughs> well, no. And that's a, that's a cool thing too. I should say this part about the study. More research has come out that shows that for one thing, this is always comforting. We don't really have explicit memories until we're about five or six. <laughs> so what we do remember is more implicit memories of were we cared for? Were we loved? Were we, did, did our parents spend enough time with us? After six is when they remember, you know, more of the explicit stuff. But the cool thing is there's another study that was done that shows the impact of positive childhood experiences and how they can actually mm -hmm. counteract the, the traumatic ones. And so it's not about being perfect. It's just about trying our best and doing the best we can. And, and, the, and one way that I have found that for myself is it has to start with me. Like I used to be so concerned about ruining other people's lives or like if I, I'm not a parent yet, but I can imagine in that season, that would have been kind of a hard time for me to be a parent because I would have been so concerned about my kid. And really the main issue was myself and needing to work on my own stuff. And then it's just kind of a natural outflow of that. And so it is scary to think like, oh no, I'm going to mess up my kid. But it's like, if you're working on yourself and you're you're doing what you can. It's like, that's what they'll learn too. Yeah. My, the season of my, of my life that I find myself in right now is, is tricky and it's a lot of time blocking. And, you know, I have a young child, an elementary age child, and I have an elderly mother who is not in the best of health. She lives in assisted living. We moved her in there about a year ago. So, you know, I'm sort of that sandwich generation that's, you know, yeah. parenting on both sides of the age mm. spectrum. So you know, I try to be really purposeful and remember, you know, if I'm taking care of myself in these ways where I 
hop on my Peloton bike for a half an hour or I sound like I'm on my bike all the time. I'm really not. That's <laughs> I the just most, picture I you just like with a sweatband, a sweatband just in your underwear because you didn't want to go upstairs to get workout clothes. So you just go and strip down. <laughs> I found an old pair of way too big swim trunks. So luckily they oh, did not perfect. fall down during the ride. That's a sight no one needs to see, even in my <laughs> basement by myself. But yeah, just remembering, you know, the, the work that we're doing for ourselves also benefits those that we care about as well, right? It's all a balancing yeah. act. Yeah. For me, I know I hid behind like, oh, well, I'm too worried about caring about everybody else. Look at, it was kind of coming from this place of like, look at how sa sacrificial, kind of that martyr place, caring about everybody else. But it was really just a deflection because I, I wasn't ready and I didn't want to focus on the work I had to do for myself because it's freaking hard. It's a lot to dive into it and it's exhausting. And for me, I've seen stuff about myself that hasn't been pretty and I haven't been proud of it. And that's part of it. And so it's hard. It makes sense not wanting to do it. That's the crazy thing about you know, a weight loss surgery journey, you know, bariatric or not really, you know, you end up uncovering things that you may have repressed or things mm -hmm. that you've just been not confronting for years and years and years that, oh, now that I don't have the burden of this extra meat shell that was on my body mm -hmm. and I'm able to tackle that, you know, what does that really look like to actually face that head on? You know, this thing that you might've used your weight as an excuse to prior Mm -hmm. saying, oh, well, you know, I'm, I just don't have the energy to, to tackle mm -hmm. this issue. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, that was the weirdest adjustment for me for so much of my life. So much of my brain capacity was spent on how to solve my physical health, right? How to lose weight, how to regulate my cycles, all of these things. And then when it, that stuff kind of just started, ha I mean, it didn't just kind of start happening. I had bariatric surgery and I had to be mindful, but it was honestly getting bariatric surgery felt a lot more doable than the other things I had done in the past for my physical weight. And so it was like, wow, like I'm, I'm losing weight now. And then it opened up the, I, ha I had a lot more capacity at that point to focus on all those mental and emotional things. And it was like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> all good stuff though right yeah I mean overall in the end and 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 that's the other part too where it comes back to that there is no timeline piece right where it's like mm -hmm. I've had to remind myself of that a lot because it's really frustrating when mentally you want to overcome certain things and you and, and your intent is there but your body isn't ready for for that yet. I was just talking with a, a friend who was saying, you know, like, I, I know that this is what the issue is mentally, I can make that connection in my head. Yet when these certain circumstances come up, my body physically won't allow me to do what I know it needs to do. And I think that's mm -hmm. something we don't often make as a connection. And again, that's where that self punishment comes in. But even in the bariatric journey, it's the same thing too, where it's like, okay, mentally, I know that this is a, a box in my traumatic little little section that I need to open up, but my body won't even allow me to do that. And that, and that's also too, where I kind of find the difference between like self-compassion and making excuses, right? Is I've been able to see the difference between, okay, is my body in a place where yes, this feels uncomfortable to explore and I don't like it, but it feels like it's allowing me to do it. Or am I hitting a brick wall where it just won't let me go there? When I'm hitting a brick wall that it just won't let me go there. I just know for myself, oh, my body's just not ready to 
go down that road yet. And, and I say, that's okay. So other people might disagree with that and say, oh no, you're being you know too soft on yourself or you're allowing excuses to get in the way. But I've just found that if my body isn't wanting to work with me in whatever it is that I'm trying to do, it's for a reason that I might not be privy to. And I've just learned to trust that. And every time I've done that, and, and granted, that's just been really within this last year or so, it's been right every time. It's just that I haven't wanted to acknowledge it in the moment or I, I've ignored it for so long. So again, people might say, oh, well, that's just putting excuses or being soft, but that's what works for me. No, I don't think so. I had a therapist once and I employ this technique often because I'm a worrier. She told me, you know, when you have a thought that bubbles up and it can be like a big thought or it can be yeah. something small, like I need to do the laundry. And so let's use that as an example. I mm -hmm. need to do the laundry. Well, take that thought and look at it and say, can I do something in this moment about doing my laundry? And the obvious answer is I could go do my laundry. And if mm -hmm. that's the case and you have time to do that, go do the laundry. Mm -hmm. If you don't have time to go do the laundry right now, take the thought and put it back up on the shelf and it'll still be there later mm -hmm. to unpack or look at. There are big things you need to tackle that you mm -hmm. just don't have the ability or the mental fortitude mm -hmm. or the whatever to tackle right now. Just set that aside for the moment, like mm -hmm. take the heat off the moment and come back to it another time when you mm -hmm. have the ability to do something that's actually going to impact yourself positively. Right. If that makes sense. Totally. You talked a little bit about diet culture, but I think there's also that like hustle culture too, right? If we have to be yeah. everything all the time and do everything a hundred percent. Do you feel like that, that might, that's kind of a hard one for you too, that just need to like do and be all the time for everybody? Oh, for sure. You know, I have a day job. I have my bariatric life and world and friends and social media. I have a son. I have a mother who needs me. I have a family. I have two dogs and trying to be everything to everyone all the time, right? And balance mm -hmm. it all. And sometimes the solution is you might just need to unplug from everything, right? And just mm -hmm. take a moment, an afternoon, a day, a something, mm -hmm. do something for yourself. So Absolutely. Like sometimes, you know, I think you and I are similar that we like to be <clears throat> go, go, go and mm -hmm. like checking a lot of boxes and doing a lot of things. And sometimes you just need to take a moment for yourself. The thought that comes up is I'm feeling anxious. And if you look at it and say, why am I feeling anxious? What can I do about it? The answer might be just unplug or, yeah. you know, sh shut out the world for a little bit. Yeah. And that's another thing where like adverse childhood experiences play into that as well. And learning that one of the reasons for me that I tend to want to be doing all the time, moving, shaking is because for a long time, I had stress hormones constantly fill my brain. And that's been a state of comfortability mm. or not comfortability. Familiarity is a better word. This process of healing and learning that, wait a second, having stress hormones constantly being pumped into my body is not actually a healthy state for me to be in. That's not a good baseline to be in for me. That feels right. really uncomfortable um, starting to get a new baseline of like, wait a second, this is what an actual peaceful baseline feels like. And there's not drama happening or there's not problems for me to solve. There's compassion here. There's safety here. And I think sometimes um, that can be surprising for people. I know it was for me of like, things feel too calm and this feels really uncomfortable. But again, when you, when you had childhood trauma where you always had to be prepared for the next thing to happen, whether it was 
an abusive alcoholic father coming in drunk. You didn't know when that was going to happen, but you knew the probability was high, or even it could be emotional detachment. You knew that the parent was emotionally attached to you in this moment, but at any moment, if you did one wrong thing, they'd emotionally detach and punish you for that. So it makes sense. Like, and I've, I've ha had people say that before where it's like, I feel like I'm just waiting for the next bad thing to happen. And it's like, well, yeah, like that makes sense. Like as kids, we had to do that. That was our coping strategy for many of us to be prepared for what was to come. And that makes sense, you know? Yeah. That sense of familiarity. I even tie it back to, you know, I know as a bariatric patient, I feel better when I'm hydrated and when I've mm -hmm. moved my body, like I, I know that I feel better, but the feeling I have when I'm dehydrated and I'm lethargic mm -hmm. while that doesn't feel comfortable in my body like I'm certainly familiar with what that yes. feels like right mm -hmm. and so sometimes I think we have to fight against that stasis mm -hmm. or that idea that that's how I've felt for years and years and years and while I know that I feel better when I do the things that I need to as a bariatric patient I have I don't have that lived experience of living a life being in that more euphoric or more comfortable place you know right. for me sometimes maybe it just feels more comfortable to be miserable well and that's what I was going to ask is like the bigger question to that is do you feel like you're worthy to feel hydrated or fill in the blank right do you feel like you're oh, like you're worthy to feel good I like to think that I do, but then I still ask myself, well, then why don't you do it? Right. Yeah. Why, why aren't well, you and, consistently doing it? And I don't think, or for me, at least in my experience, it's never one or the other all the time. There's moments where I go in mm -hmm. and out of it, where it's like, I, I recognize that or I don't. And, and then, and then, you know, comes the bigger question of, well, then where, where do you find your worth? And that's a question I, I always enjoy asking people because it's, it's a big question, but where do you think you derive that worth for yourself? Where, where is that? Where do you get that from? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I find great value in connecting with people and mm -hmm. educating others. I feel like I'm, a, mm -hmm. I feel like I should have been a teacher. Um, mm -hmm. I enjoy helping, I guess, mm -hmm. as, a, as a broader way of putting it. So now I realize as the things come out of my mouth, all of those things are other focused and they're not mm -hmm. me focused. Like, mm -hmm. how do I find worth with myself? Mm -hmm. But I do find the most joy in helping others and yeah. no matter what I'm doing in my life. That also goes, you know, to like not humans too, you know, that goes with for my mm -hmm. fur babies or that goes for my mm -hmm. plants you know I'm, I'm I'm an avid gardener so just like a caretaker or helper you know that's where I find the greatest joy mm -hmm. as an application to my life skills I guess yeah all right a follow-up question to that then do you feel like you were more less or the same amount of worth worthy when you were a baby compared to now so were you more worthy less worthy or the same amount of worthiness uh, when you were a baby compared to now I mean I think the academic answer for me would be I have the same amount of worth mm -hmm. um that's what my instincts has to say I don't know what about yeah. you so I agree I feel the same way that it's the same amount of worth but then the follow-up question to the follow-up question is how about on your deathbed are you more more worthy less worthy or the same amount of worth than compared to now oh same same so I, a lot yeah. of people that I ask that question to will will either say more or less depending and kind of give reasons why but 
I think that I'm the same amount of worth because I, I think I'm just a worthy human for being a human. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So that goes to show then, or at least this is how I think of it. If we're worthy, no matter what stage of life we're in, then it doesn't really matter what we do or don't do. We're still worthy people. And I think that thought is what has helped me the most when it comes to like everything in my life. Because for so long, I was searching on how to become more worthy by doing things for other people. Or I don't know, just maybe if I perform in this way or say this, that'll make me worthy. It was always striving for something that was kind of a phantom. It wasn't really there because I was worthy all along. And so I think that's something that, again, maybe people that are in that place of self-discovery and trying to decide where to start, that might be a good question to ask yourself. Like, am I worthy? Do I think I'm worthy? And it's a big question to kind of explore. I think so. Absolutely. I never felt like I was less worthy as, you know, morbidly obese. Mm -hmm. I hate that term, but man, um, you know, I never felt less worthy. I felt hindered to mm -hmm. realize my worth, I guess is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think absolutely that's something for folks to explore. If folks listening are, you know, thinking about bariatric surgery, mm -hmm. like I'll tell you that you're worth it, but you have to answer the question for yourself. Right. Are you worth it to employ this tool that's available to you to achieve the life that you want? And that's a question that only you can answer for yourself. Right. And it's one thing to know something. It's another thing to experience it, right? I always know that I'm worthy, but I don't always feel like I am. And so that's something too that I've had to explore like, well, then where do I get my worth? So it's it's a stable place that even when I don't feel that way, I can know that there is still worth in, in who I am as an individual. And so that's what I heard when you said that it's like, maybe you knew you were worthy, but I know there's been times in my life where I haven't felt that way. Yeah. But I think if you can frame the question such that you're worthy of taking a chance on, I ask this all the time. What do you, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? You know, imagine the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think the answer in some cases might surprise you if you knew mm -hmm. the choice you were going to make was going to succeed no matter what. Mm -hmm. You know, obvious answer is you do it, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, put yourself in that mindset and the possibilities can be endless sometimes. Yeah. And then, well, it's that's a cool exercise to do because then you can fully assess if it's worth the risk or not. Like you can live in that space of like, this is what it would be like if I was completely successful. I can't guarantee that I will be. And is it worth the risk of, of that though? So I like that. I think that's a cool way to evaluate it. Do you feel like there's a difference between like the fear of failing and the fear of succeeding? Hmm. I think there is. You know, for me, the fear of failure is, is obvious, right? It can hinder you from taking a step, but fear of success also can be scary because, mm -hmm. you know, what if this thing you've been longing for isn't actually the thing that you wanted all along, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that can paralyze, I know it does for myself, can paralyze you from making a decision. Um, you know, the exercise I just talked about, what would you do if you knew you were, knew you were going to succeed, Right. Well, maybe that thought press leads you to someplace scary. Like, you know, maybe that leads you to believe, well, actually what I'm doing is is okay or does fulfill me in some way. That's an interesting two sides of kind of the same coin, but not really. Yeah. When we were talking about like even being in spaces that don't feel good, but that feel familiar, sometimes it's like a tempting place to live in. 
And that's a space right. too where I feel like I've been transitioning out of that, having that fear of failure in lots of aspects of my life and my bariatric journey and content creating and relationships, lots of different things to now fear of succeeding of like, whoa, maybe I am really capable of doing this. And what does that mean? I didn't even think that this could be a possibility in my life. And now it actually seems like a real possible, like it could actually happen. And some of those things have happened. And so it's an interesting transition to make, and it doesn't feel familiar, which feels uncomfortable. <laughs> right. And there's something always scary about the unfamiliar, right? But we're never going to grow if we're not uncomfortable. If you if you mm -hmm. never take a chance, you're not going to look back 20, 30 years from now and be like, oh, I'm glad I just did that same thing the rest of my life over and over again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to. Well, I think people do have to make a choice. I don't, I don't know if it's multiple choices or just one big choice in their life to decide if they're going to stay where they're at. And, and, and sometimes that's necessary for a season or if they're going to go and grow and and be uncomfortable. And I guess for me and in, in my life, I just, I never want to be stagnant. It, it's okay for myself. Like I, I give myself rest and time to have space in that way, but I don't want to be 80 years old and be like, okay, I've learned all that I can and I'm done. Like I always want to be open and learning and growing, but it makes me sad when other people make different choices in that. The first step is just asking yourself the question, posing it to yourself and asking, are you happy with where you're at? Or is there something else that you want out of mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? Step one is ask yourself the question. Yeah. Well, this is a question I always love to ask. If you, Herb, could look at yourself at whatever age, like as a kiddo stands out to you, maybe it's six, seven, eight years old, what is something you would tell him? What would I tell my child version of myself? Mm -hmm. If you could see him right now. Oh, gosh. Child Herb was pretty rad. Like he had a pretty awesome life. Like he mm -hmm. had lots of friends and lots of after school things that he did. Well, this is kind of a loaded question because as I mentioned, I have a husband. I went through a coming out journey. And yeah. I think the biggest thing I would talk to him about is just know that there are people and places that are safe for you when you discover this part of yourself as a gay mm -hmm. man. And don't be afraid. Don't be scared about it because it's all going to work out even more amazingly in the end than you think it could right now. Yeah, I like that. I like doing that exercise because it's cool that we can do that for our inner child or like ourselves now. It's sad that maybe that wasn't said in the time, right? But we can do that for ourselves mm -hmm. now and we can do that for other people now, which is really cool. That's exactly what I was going to say. And you know, that's a lot of why I do what I do is I want other folks who maybe younger to understand that things work out well and can work out well and there's a happier place to get to in life mm -hmm. yeah there's hope right that's what we're all looking for dang i sure hope so <laughs> there is there is <laughs> Where can people find you? People after this episode are going to be like, I love this guy. I want to see what he's up to. Where where can they come find you? Clamoring and knocking down my door. I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm Herbiatric. I love that. Thank you. It came to me in a fever dream of coffee and protein bars. I love it. I love it. <laughs> 
I am not on the TikToks. I enjoy scrolling. The idea of mm -hmm. posting on TikTok totally terrifies me. So I'm just the old bariatric uncle on Instagram. I love it. I love I, I love all of that. Do you want to tell people about your series that you're that you've been doing? Yeah, I've been um, doing a series of chats. I call it Barry LGBTQIA plus chats, just highlighting folks who are in the queer community who are also bariatric patients and sort of the intersections of those two things and just providing a space to lift us up and shine a light on us and celebrate and, you know, a space that's beyond just accepting us, but actually celebrating us. So mm -hmm. I do plan to continue it. Um, I've been doing them weekly. It'll probably be a little less than weekly going forward. It was something that I did during Pride Month, but I've had some really wonderful conversations with folks and it's been nice getting to know different people who sometimes are quieter in, in the online Instagram bariatric mm -hmm. community and, and just connecting with those folks. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're doing that. Any final, not final words, like hopefully, but just final for the podcast, any final thoughts <laughs> or things that you want to share? Oh, this was so fun. I feel like we could talk forever. Um, I know I have like a whole other topic I want to talk with you about. So we'll have to schedule another one. We'll schedule another one for sure. For folks out there who are contemplating bariatric surgery, I would just tell you, just take the pressure off the situation and find a few folks who are reputable and you trust and just calmly make the decision if it's right for you. I'm always going to tell you if you ask me that yes the decision is right for you but find a surgeon find a trusted community find a trusted person to really talk about it once you've made the decision yes it's hard work but it's totally worth it to get on the other side you become this person that you can't even imagine once you've yeah. shed i love this term that i came up with while we were chatting meat suit once i've shed this meat <laughs> suit this version of you you it's hard to imagine that person um you know as the before you mm -hmm. so take the leap that's worth it but okay. don't get lost on any internet work wormholes like Reddit or Facebook. Those places are awful. I know. I know. I'll ask you one more question kind of pertaining to that. Do you recognize more of your current self, how you are now, or do you feel like you're not as familiar with your current self compared to like your past self before bariatric I surgery? I think I'm getting there. I know that sounds really frou-frou, but like no. I'm starting, I'm still getting to know this version of myself. And I yeah. mean both phys physically and mentally, like what I'm capable of doing. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, I don't know if I told you this, I had an interesting conversation with my husband about, I was like, you know, I can do things, right? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you are constantly like, this is when we're on vacation, like you're constantly doing things. Like you're lifting up the suitcases, you're taking all of the stuff down to the car, you're taking your son to go on the long walk. I, I can do those things. And he's like, oh, he's like, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Just those sorts of things, you know, that I'm still navigating, like, what is it like to live in this body? And as this person mentally, I'm stronger physically, and I think I'm stronger mentally. So mm -hmm. I think I'm still getting to know this version of myself. I still love that old version of myself, yeah. though. He got me to this version of myself. So I would say it's a work in progress of getting to know this herb. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I, I, I agree with that for myself, too. Well, thank Thanks for being on Herb. Did you have fun? Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Let's do it. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining and we'll see you next time.